0: Welcome to the Faithful and True podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. Susie Schmidt from the uh, team here at Faithful and True has agreed to join us. And, uh, Greg, you have something special in store, don't you? Absolutely. All right. Well,
1: um, for those of you that have been listening, you're aware of the fact that over the last couple of podcasts, we've been talking about and naming the values that we have here at Faithful and True. And It's just been a great um, process for us as a staff to get clear about that, and the value that we're going to be talking about today is the value of safety, and um, Susie has agreed to come and be a part of the conversation, and um, so Susie, just tell us a little bit about why you think safety is something that should be included as a value.
2: It really comes from our story. When we first um, had our lives blow up, we... um, didn't have concept of safety mm-hmm. at all, and it led us into really, really unhealthy isolation, which ultimately then led to my husband's relapse, mm-hmm. and uh, that didn't have to be that way.
1: Right. You know, one, one of the things that we talk about here is that in order for there to be transformation, um, there must be vulnerability, and in order for there to be vulnerability, there must be a place to be safe. Um, that safety invites us into that vulnerability. And so um, part of what we want to do here as an organization is to create a, a space or an environment of safety. Um, what are some of the ways that we, you've experienced that or you see us trying to create that?
2: Well, I think it starts from the very beginning of experience when a new client calls our office and talks with Randy and Sherry and goes through that intake process, the paperwork, the everything. Um, We're working on safety. And then when we as therapists meet our clients, they get to be who they are, where Mm -hmm. they are. They don't have to be a certain way for us. Mm
0: -hmm. We're
2: we're working on meeting them where they are. And I think that feels incredibly safe. Mm -hmm. We're of course guarding their confidentiality and all those things as well, which is super important Mm -hmm.
1: for safety. Well, you mentioned this. Um, uh, Randy is a part of the team that first uh, meets and greets people. Um, So, Randy, what what do you see as um, the contribution of safety when someone is first reaching out to Faithful and True or maybe arriving for the first
0: time? Well, they both have their own dynamic. When the phone rings and Sherry or myself answers, uh, so many times the person on the other end is just filled with anxiety Mm -hmm. and doubt. And so you try to put them, you know, we understand that. Mm -hmm. And we understand the place from which they're calling. And so we always try our best to be open and safe and compassionate Mm -hmm. because we know that they're unsure of What's my first best step? Mm-hmm. And so we usually try to make our recommendation, put them at ease, kind of establish that we're so glad they have called today, mm-hmm. we're, we are the right place for them uh, to be contacting. And so we then take them through the process of, because sometimes they don't know Uh, Maybe they have or have not seen the website, so Mm -hmm. they may not be filled with all the information about Faithful and True, and we have that, of course, uh, available to them. But when they come in person, there's something about the environment that we've created Mm -hmm. here at Faithful and True, and it's been a team effort. Everything from walking in the front door and our waiting area there features an awesome uh, quilt that uh, that that our guest today uh uh, created for us which illustrates the seven desires Mm -hmm. and it's there's something about that we have many people that just really find themselves um getting locked into Mm -hmm. just how beautiful that that piece is and that hangs as a major piece of art on our wall after losing dr mark laser in september Uh, The staff got together and thought, what could we do that would be meaningful, that would also enhance the safety and Mm -hmm. ambiance of our uh, center? And so we all went together and uh, purchased a uh, a fountain. Mm -hmm. And then we have a a plaque featuring Mark on it. And so when you walk in, you hear gently gently falling water, yeah. you know, a very peaceful fountain, a beautiful quilt on the wall. Um, and you're welcomed. You're told uh, where the, the coffee and tea is available. You kind of lay things out for them so that from the moment they come in, it's not loud. It's not fluorescent lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, there's a, an ambiance here that kind of supports peace and tranquility. Mm-hmm. And then, Uh, sherry or myself usually welcomes them and um, by the time that they get to meet one of you as their counselor they're in a they're in a fairly comfortable place Uh, they'll still have their anxieties until they share their story but i notice the more they come back the more they feel at home Mm -hmm. and we want people to feel at home here so um, i guess our, our objective is to have them feel safe mm-hmm. when they walk in the door and to feel welcomed and to feel that, um, they're not going to be walked. They're not going to walk in the door and be judged.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for you, uh, Susie, um, Randy's kind of talked about this, but what is important in an environment? You know, you kind of mentioned when you first arrived and how you experienced it, but What was important to you in an environment when you were looking for a safe place to begin your journey?
2: For me, it was the people that I met, specifically Debbie, who was uh, exhibiting characteristics of safety, non-judgment, understanding, compassion, uh, that that helped me a great deal. Mm -hmm. And I joined a group right away. And so the the principles of safety that we build into groups as well here uh, we're not trying to fix others' problems we're we're being good listeners we're being supportive we're we're not interrupting you know we're we're sharing appropriately in groups and all that just felt really safe to me
1: mm-hmm. well and you you alluded to this earlier, the idea of confidentiality and The significant role that that plays where it's not just that I am safe, but my belief is my information is safe.
2: Right. And when a new woman now joins our groups, we have a process where everybody gets to share a short introduction Mm -hmm. to this new woman. I think the men do that, too. A little bit about who they are. And then we always talk about confidentiality Mm -hmm. when somebody new joins the group.
1: Um, Every month we welcome men here for the workshop who come from all over the country. And as Randy identified, we want it to be a a safe space as soon as they walk in. And what I see each um, month is it just, it takes a moment. It takes that walking in the building. I I often talk about the threshold of vulnerability. And because of what we do here at Faithful and True, and that we um, exclusively work with men who are struggling with sexual addiction there's just a vulnerability in calling. There's just a right. vulnerability in reaching right. out and then when you show up. And so we want to be a, a steward. We want to acknowledge the sacred space when someone shows up at our building. Just their presence is creating a vulnerability and we want to be with them in that.
2: I think there's a level of safety I always feel in in the um, conversation and acceptance that they experience with me as a female, Mm -hmm. Sherry as another female, that we're not rejecting them, Mm -hmm. judging them, that we see them as a person, child of God.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, one of the the things that um, we talked about at an earlier podcast with Jim is this idea of because this is what we do exclusively, we're not shocked, we're not surprised Um, We're not overwhelmed by somebody's story. And I can well imagine for the women who come here, when they do share what they're going through and share some of the experiences they've had because of their husband's choices, um, you are able to be a safe present because you're not overwhelmed. You're not shocked Mm -hmm. by the choices that their husband has made. And there's something powerful about that sense of community that comes when someone understands and can acknowledge what it is that we've gone through.
2: I have so many women say, have you ever heard this before? Mm-hmm. And they're so sure I'm never going to have heard their story before. And I've always heard right the elements of yeah. it before. Absolutely. You, you know,
0: we also noticed that that carries over to the workshop participants. When these men come from across the country and walk in our front door, you know, when they call, there's there's so much shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And when they walk in, you can almost see it. this... Anvil on their shoulders, carrying that that uh, that shame, and within the first morning after they have met you mm-hmm. and you've told your story, and and they hear all of this they walked in with the misconception that they're the only one Mm -hmm. that that has ever done these things. And so uh, they very quickly find out that they are surrounded by men who have walked in their shoes, Mm -hmm. and they're being led by men who have not only walked in their shoes but have experienced a healing journey that's been powerful Mm -hmm. and and very redemptive. Absolutely. So I I see a a lightning of the... um, Again, it's part of the environment, but as the workshop goes on, so the, the mood lightens mm-hmm. quite a bit as they uh, start to understand the incredible hope mm-hmm. that you provide with them, that you share with them, that they aren't a worthless and, and uh, undesirable uh, person to be with, to right. know, to love, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's always been uh, very powerful to see that uh, that take place.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I, I would imagine, especially as people come back week after week for the groups, that you feel the energy of community and the the sense of connection and acceptance that, that begins to happen over time.
2: Yeah, there's this statement we hear, oh, I guess I'm normal. Mm-hmm. And people get so much comfort from meeting other people uh, and knowing that they have similar stories and... You know, the other thing, women come to group and maybe they think, uh, oh boy, I'm going to come to this group and they're not going to be, they're going to be women who are kind of pathetic that Mm -hmm. they're in this situation. And we get these comments like, wow, here I am sitting in this full circle of beautiful, talented, Mm -hmm. responsible, successful women and we're all in this together. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about th- this idea of creating an environment of safety. What's also true is we want to empower people to create their own safety. You know, one of our our principles here is that um, I cannot create safety for somebody else. I need to learn how to create safety for myself. And I have this image of a safety account where, um, through my life, people have either made withdrawals or deposits in my safety account as a child. And so when I become an adult, I either start adulthood with a full account or a zero balance or even a deficit, a negative account. And then based upon the choices I make and the the people I give access to the account to, I either get withdrawals or deposits and so one of the things we want people to understand about safety is ultimately you are the one that is responsible for managing your account. And if there's someone in your life that isn't safe, it's okay to create some distance and um, limit their access to your account mm-hmm. and then define those safe people that can make deposits in your account and um, be around them as the, your sense of safety is able to increase.
2: Yeah, that's good, Greg. And we talk about to women, how do we begin to identify those safe mm-hmm. people? You know, what if if we if we go and we just dump the whole story on somebody before we know
1: mm-hmm.
2: maybe they're a safe person, maybe we won't regret that, but there's also the chance that we'll be like, ooh, I mm-hmm. wish I hadn't done right. that. So we talk to women and men both about, you know, let's let's say a little something Mm -hmm. to somebody and see what kind of a response we get back. And, you know, that's a place that kept me really stuck. I didn't want to say a little something because I thought then if they have questions and they want to know more, I don't want to tell Mm -hmm. them more. And then I'm stuck. Then I have to tell them more. And so it was a revolutionary concept to me that I was able to say, well, that's really all I care to Mm -hmm. share right now. And that created... I could create my safety mm-hmm. by having that statement ready to say, and what was true was, people who were safe didn't press me right. for more. They were, they were supportive and will let me know how I can help you, and that just felt really, really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, you
1: know, we talk about this idea of stewarding our own story, and I often encourage the men to think of their story in a kind of a continuum of one to five, and. One is I'm not vulnerable at all. And five is I'm completely open and vulnerable. And one of the things that we identify is not everybody needs to be a five and not everybody can be a five. Right. And so there may be some people in your life that right now there's very little vulnerability. Maybe you're at a two and your next best step is just to risk and share a little bit more and bring it to a three. And what you discover is, like you're saying, is that some wisdom and discernment in who, who is trustworthy and who can be a good steward of my story when I share it with them.
2: Right. And there's so much potential then for authenticity, congruity. Is that a word? Congruency. Congruency. Yeah. Um, when we can do that. Mm-hmm. Because until I was able to say something simply like, I'm in counseling and I'm going through something really tough right now, I had to be, I felt the need to be so careful. Mm-hmm. But everything I said, and I was really living in a, a place of lying about mm-hmm. where I was going for appointments and how I was moving through my day, and it felt really inauthentic, mm-hmm. incongruent.
1: Yeah, there's a difference between being discreet and being secretive. Right. And one of the things that we learn in recovery is discretion is okay. There are some times I need to be discreet in my safety information. And in that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's not the same as keeping secrets or hiding. Right. And it takes some time for us to figure that out. You know, you kind of mentioned this idea that um, a lot of times the men and the women who come, um, they have shared their story or their sh- story has been shared in ways that wasn't safe and people didn't steward their story well. And one of the things that is helpful for us to learn is that um, if we've overshared or if there are people that we included that we discover isn't safe, that even that is survivable and I can be safe right. even if someone knows my story and you know, hasn't responded well and has been critical or judgmental or has withdrawn themselves, even in that I can be safe.
2: Right, and I learn from it mm-hmm. and I adjust my behavior right. and figure out who to talk to next.
1: Absolutely. Is there anything else that you're aware of as as we're just talking about safety, either individually or culturally, that you believe is important?
2: Well, I think a big piece of our work with individuals here and couples as well is teaching and helping couples to learn to be safe people to their partner, Mm -hmm. to their spouse. And um, our pain often leads us to be unsafe, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me and early on, I was unsafe because my pain was leaking out all over the place and I was so angry and, um, I, I needed help and I received help here with how to, um, become a safer person for my husband so that we could, we could build Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I get to be in pain without being a pain. That's mm-hmm. a statement from Maya Angelou. Right.
1: Well, you know, um, while we're doing this podcast, um, there is a couples workshop that is going on and, um, Susie and her husband and Beth and I and Deb are a part of the, um, the couples workshop team. And a, a big part of what we do here is, creating an environment and modeling what it looks like to be safe in our coupleship. right? And And the tension is to be honest, be authentic, and to be safe. And for most of us, we've lived our lives in a belief that the only time I'm safe is when I'm alone, or the only way I can create safety is in isolation. And one of the principles that we teach is that actually... I am most vulnerable when I'm alone and in an isolation. I am most safe when I am known in safe community. And part of the thing that we're wanting to work on is for couples to learn how to be safe um, with each other mm-hmm. as couples, but then also within the coupleship itself that the, the husband and the wife learn to be safe for each other and with each other.
2: And it really becomes such a, you know, sexual addiction might have brought us here. But those kinds of things that we're learning in the process can bring growth mm-hmm. and and relationship that we never really thought was possible.
1: Absolutely, we often talk about you know the the addiction as being the on ramp onto the greater journey, and the journey is becoming the person that God created us to be, and part of that is becoming. The couple um, having the marriage that God desires for us, mm-hmm. that each of us can be fully present with who God has created us to be, and in that space we learn how to be safe for each other. And you know, we we just talked about this idea that a perfect marriage or a good marriage is not one that is absent of conflict or absence of absent of triggers, but the healthy relationship or the healthy marriage is the one that we are able to navigate the conflict well. We steward the conflict, we steward the triggers, and in those experiences, we create greater intimacy. Well, Susie, it's been great having you with us, and um, as always, Randy, it's good just to be together, and um, our hope is that as um, people experience Faithful and True that we don't have to tell them that we value safety, but they just recognize that and experience it as they show up here.
0: Well, it's also enlightening when you... We don't stop and talk about these things that you've you've started to right. highlight for us. We we went, oh yeah, it's very safe here. Mm-hmm. You know yes. what I mean. You, we didn't stop to analyze why it's safe, um, but it's incredibly safe, mm-hmm. and it's it's safe on one on one. Our relationships with each other as faithful and, and true team members mm-hmm. um, to have that comfort level with with all of the staff is is really a blessing. And it, it carries through as you see everybody participating in the distinctively different uh, three-day intensive workshops mm-hmm. that we do. And again, we'd like to encourage our listeners, if you've been contemplating the idea of coming to Faithful and True, our website uh, fully explains the options with the three-day intensives. We do the Men of Valor workshop every month uh, because the need is there, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, thank goodness the um, uh, the the Success and popularity of the event, it has provided so much support and, mm-hmm. and, and hope uh, for, for men and for the women who come to the Women's Journey Workshop, mm-hmm. which we do three times a year. So again, we encourage to have people visit faithfulandtrue.com where they can get all of the information about all three of our uh, the men's, the women's, and the couples, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, is going on right now. Um, Susie, thanks a million. You, mm-hmm. uh, are, uh, a source of great, uh, of great inspiration and experience here at faithful and true. And it's always a joy to have you uh, join us on the podcast. Uh, we hope that, uh, this coming week for all of our listeners out there is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and great vision.